The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is HR Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and strategies to shake up the status quo in human resources and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome to HR Trends with Game Changers. Today's buzz, work-life what? Okay, let's get started. The term work-life balance, and some of you like to call it work-life integration, it's become a cliche for what I observe, and I know a lot of my compatriots do. It's a frustrating goal that few of us in the workforce today ever reach or we reach once in a while, maybe. The boundaries between work and family are more blurred than ever before. We've got stress. We've got job burnout. We've got whose time is it anyway? My time, your time, the family's time, your boss's time, your colleague's time, time for a team call, whatever. Competition for our time is taking a toll. Guess what? On our work productivity, on our mental health, and on our physical health, all wrapped into one ball. So, take heart. There may be a solution. Now there's something called flex style. It's actually one word, flex style. A more nuanced way of finding balance that reflects individual working styles. Hey, we're all individual people, so how about an individual working style? So the question on our table today is, is flex style the right fit for you and your employer? We have a great panel of experts. They know what they're talking about. We're going to learn along with them. So let me welcome my very first guest. It's Dr. Brenda A. Louch. She's an associate professor of management and organization studies in the Beattie School of Business at Simon Fraser University. She's also the co-author of CEO of Me, Creating a Life that Works in the Flexible Job Age. And here's her quote, flexibility isn't the answer to everyone's work-life balance problems. Brenda Louch, welcome. How are you today? Thanks. I'm well. I'm well. How are you? Wonderful. Thanks for joining us. What a great start to the show with your quote. So tell me, why isn't it? I thought flexibility was what we were talking about when we mentioned that with the same word, individual, in the same sentence. Brenda, thoughts, please? Yeah, I, I picked this quote because I was thinking back to an image that sticks in my head. Uh, when I was a grad student back in the 90s, I remember this cover from a Fortune magazine, and it showed a man in the mountains in Montana, and he's looking out in the distance at this beautiful view, and he's got a serene smile on his face, and he's holding a laptop. And, you know, because it was the 90s, it was a giant uh, a giant laptop, but still the, the story was about how we're going to work in the future. And the idea of, of it was that we are all going to have these wonderful, flexible jobs. We'll be able to work while we're hiking in the mountains and, and all of our problems will be solved. And that image has really stuck with me because I think, I think there is some promise in flexibility and there are some useful things to it, but I, I think it's been oversold a little bit. And 
and there are, are problems that we can have, um, problems even for people who embrace flexibility. And, and so I think we need, to be, we need to understand how to manage it. Okay. Thank you very much, Brenda. Good start to our topic. Let's turn to actually your colleague, Dr. Ellen Ernst Kosick. She's a Basil S. Turner Professor of Management at Purdue University's Krannert School of Management. She's also the president of the Work and Family Researchers Network, and we'll ask Ellen a little bit about that later, but let me read Ellen's opening quote. It's, make technology work for you, not against you. Redraw the lines between work and family. Are we coloring? Are we using chalk, pencil? Can we erase them? Ellen Ernst Kosick, welcome. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Pleasure, pleasure. So how do we redraw these lines? Give us some some insights, please. Well, I think uh, the advent of the smartphone has changed everything. Uh, When we first uh, did this book, uh, Brenda and I uh, were talking to people who had worked on laptops, and they did have cell phones, but not everybody had the phone with the data coming in at the same time. And we saw many people try to uh, change jobs as a way to seek work-life balance. And the issue is that technology uh, was a way to make people think, oh, I can go into business for myself, watch my kids, forget that corporate track at SAP or General Electric, and my mm-hmm. life will be solved. And what we found is that a lot of this depended on how you set up your day and technology use is a key aspect of this. And one of it is that we need to have separate technology uses or boundaries for our work technology and our home technology. And Brenda and I have found that people do vary psychologically in wanting uh, to integrate or mix all the time. So I don't think integration actually applies to everyone. Some of us are real separators and need to break up our days into chunks. And technology and how you use it can allow you to separate or integrate. And the key is to draw the line so you are in control as the leader and that you're focusing on what's most important to you to get your work done at that time. And, yes, family is really important, but you need to be fully focused on one or the other, not both all the time, or you kind of get mush. Mush. That may that may be the operative word. A lot of people are feeling right now. Ellen is is mush, mush, and and uh, what's happening to my life and my head and my ability to to focus. You mentioned a technology. Do you believe in two separate mobile phones, one for family, one for work? Is that that the kind of division we're talking about? Well, I think it depends for different people what they need. But that would be an example of a, a boundary management separation technique. So in our book and then in later work we've done, there, we help people think about how to gain control. So if you're somebody who will uh, look at a smartphone on the weekend and see a work email that will upset you or see something from a family member that you didn't need to see till that night because it was like, what do you want to do in the weekend to go to the movies? And you probably would have more time to think about it after work. So I think... Separating phones or having separate emails is probably important. I mean, just think about it when you apply for a credit card. You don't give everybody your work email. You want that, you know, not to have your Macy's bill come mm-hmm. in at work. And I think for our personal life, we might want to use things like email, like phones, like uh, having um, different apps focused on what we need at that particular uh, device. Um, for example, for my personal life is I 
try and not have my work email linked to my iPad and use that just for reading papers like Wall Street Journal or Mm -hmm. New York Times or Gmail and then try and use my laptop for work, and that's helped me with some of my boundary management challenges. Thank you, Ellen. Good to start with a personal case study. Appreciate that. And rounding out our panel is Carrie Williard. She's the Vice President of Learning and Social Adoption in the SAP Cloud and former Chief Learning Officer at Sun Microsystems. She's also the co-author of the bestseller, The 2020 Workplace, How Innovative Companies Attract, Develop, and Keep Tomorrow's Employees Today. I love that. And Carrie sent me the following quote from a refrigerator magnet. It's the first time we've had a refrigerator magnet Featured on SAP Radio, Carrie. And here's the quote. Never get so busy making a living that you forget to make a life. Sounds like Confucius could have said that. Carrie Williard, welcome back. How are you today? Oh, fine. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. This is a topic that I think everybody cares about. Absolutely. So tell me, why did you pick this refrigerator magnet quote? Well, um, you know, I thought one of the things that I could do to uh, increase my work-life balance was about four years ago, I decided to move out to Colorado, and I live on a lake with the mountains in the backdrop, and, um, you know, it's this gorgeous place, and I, I realized that actually working from home 100%, you know, if you don't count the 90% of the time I'm on an airplane, um, is, is, you know, is actually can be tougher um, mm-hmm. and harder to set those boundaries as, um, you know, as they were talking about here. So I need a daily reminder to myself not to. It's very, very easy when you work from home to get 100% consumed into work. Very good point. Very, very good point. Uh, Brenda, I'm going to circle back to you. We've had a little conversation here, Ellen, and carry on that point. Just your thoughts before we go back and ask everybody what's in your cup today. So, Brenda Latch, I'm interested in your POV on this boundary question we've got. Um, no, I, I agree with um, with everything that the other uh, that the others have said, and I especially related to what Carrie said that you know if you are working at home. If, if you are in a more flexible arrangement, like you're working at home one day or two day or 100%, then you have to, you have to put some effort into trying to set up boundaries, um, if that's something that, that you need. And a lot of people do, uh, as, as Ellen mentioned, in work that we have done and we, we found when we talked to people that many people who were working from home benefited when they tried to separate and tried not to be, you know, doing work and rocking the baby's cradle with their foot or, you know, whatever they were trying to do when you try to do it all at the same time. Um, multitasking is just, it puts a lot of strains on people. So, um, so there, are, there are some things that you can do to try to, to build some walls up and get a little bit of sanity back. Thank you, Brenda. We're going to be talking about those walls. I actually run SAP Game Changers Radio from my home office. So I'm here. (laughs) Carrie, you may be on a plane. I'm on the radio five hours a week, but I'm sitting here at a desk with three computers and four monitors and a lot of backup technology behind, a a tie line, a a router, a couple of backup drives, uh, a cable modem, and a phone, two phones, actually. And it's very interesting um, making that divide, making that boundary. And it's, it's very interesting but maybe we'll talk more about that. Ladies, guess what? It's time for me to ask you what's in your cup today because HR Trends with Game Changers 
Stories is part of our flagship series, Coffee Break with Game Changers. So I'm interested in a little personal story so we can get to know a little more about you. Dr. Brenda A. Louch, first of all, where are you calling from? And what are you drinking right now, Brenda? Or what do you wish you were drinking? Go ahead. Hmm. I'm calling from beautiful Burnaby, British Columbia in Canada. Uh, nice. And my drink is not exciting, I have to say. Um, I'm drinking something that is traditional in my family for among the older ladies and I resisted it for a while but I've started embracing it and so I have a cup of hot water um, which all my aunties and my grandmother and my mother like to drink when they're sitting around playing cards on uh, cold snowy nights where I'm from. And Brenda any any lemon in it or any flavoring or just plain hot water? No it's just plain. And how does that make you feel when you drink the plain hot water? Um, you know, I think it's not mostly about the, t- the taste. I-, I grew up in the Midwest in a place called Saskatchewan, which has really long, mm-hmm. cold winters. And uh, I have a lot of memories of sitting around the kitchen table in my mom's house with my extended family around. And uh, my family are all big card players, and all the, all the older ladies would have their hot water at the table. And so I think it's just a, a comforting kind of thing. So that's what I was looking for, the comforting. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. That's the first time we've had a cup of hot water on the show. We've oh, done, I think I've interviewed about 900 people. So <laughs> that's a new one for us. I'm glad to know. I tend to agree with you. Thank you, Dr. Ellen Ernst Kosick. What are you drinking today or what do you wish you're drinking? Well, since it's 1 o'clock in the afternoon here in the East Coast time, mm-hmm. my coffee's all gone, but I'm still working on the yogurt from breakfast. And I have... Uh, Northern Michigan Honeycrisp apples in it. So I, I like the idea of uh, mixing a little bit of fruit into my life during the autumn. I like that too. And it, it is time for apple picking time. Where are you on the East Coast? Are you in the U.S. or Canada? Well, a lot of people think that Michigan and Indiana, and I'm in a dual career family, <laughs> so part of the time I'm in both places, but I'm at uh, Cranert in Indiana, but my husband is in Michigan some of the time, and we are on the East Coast, believe it or not, so there you go. Believe it or not, that's interesting, okay, (laughs) thank you very much. Carrie Williard, where are you calling from, and what time of the day is it, and what are you drinking? Well, it's uh, it's mountain time, so I'm, and I'm in Fort Collins, Colorado, which is about an hour north of uh, Denver, and uh, as I said, uh, my office overlooks the lake, and so the trees are starting to change color here. Um, I, the water in Colorado is absolutely incredible. I was at a party the other night where somebody said she had a hard time traveling because she didn't like the taste of water anywhere except in Colorado. So I have a, I have a machine on my faucet that uh, turn, adds carbonation, so I have carbonated water from the Colorado water. So I have a glass of carbonated, self-made carbonated water here at home. I like that very much. Very, very interesting. I was uh, walking on the High Line. Those of you who are not from New York, have you ever heard of the High Line, Carrie? Mm-hmm. And El- mm-hmm. yeah. I, I walked on the High it's Line expanded. last Sunday. Yeah. Yes, it did. They put an extension up from the 20-something all the way up to 34th Street. This is on the west side of Manhattan overlooking and and actually has tracks from the old rail yards, and you overlook the trains. But uh, we were with some friends, and we went to dinner, and somebody commented, this is good old-fashioned New York City tap water, and it's the best. And I thought, okay, on Long Island, we buy bottled water. In the city, they drink their tap water. What can I tell you? Guess what, ladies? Great opening. Thank you for the personal stories. Love them. We're going to go take 
take a break for about 90 seconds. When I come back, I'll be speaking more with Dr. Brenda A. Louch, Dr. Ellen Ernst Kosick, and Carrie Williard. And our topic today is work-life balance. What? What's your flex style? We're going to take a deep dive into what flex style means, what types of companies understand it, embrace it, offer it, and how, if it's available to you, you can make it your own and make it work. We'll be right back after the break. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. Michael, out. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. With companies like yours competing aggressively for top talent today, HR tactics must be comprehensive and precise. Today's reality? Your organization is faced with the demands of a multi-generational and globalized workforce, diversity and inclusion policies, work-life integration challenges, and more. The bottom line? You need to attract and retain the best fit talent to support your strategies and goals, optimize your employee engagement, and become an industry-leading employer of choice. HR Trends with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. You're enjoying HR Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to HR Trends with Game Changers. Welcome back. We're here talking about flex style. If you haven't heard about it yet, you might want to know enough before you approach your employer and say, hey, I think this will help me and the company with productivity, with health, and all those good things we'd like to call work-life balance or integration. My special guests today are Dr. Brenda A. Louch, Dr. Ellen Ernst Kosick, and Carrie Williard. We're going to start our roundtable with Brenda Louch. And Brenda, you sent me some notes before the show I'd like to start with. Let's do what I call level setting or definitions. The question is, what is a flex job? Are they the answer to everyone? work-life conflict, and I understand there are five different styles to flex style, integration, separation, work first, family first, alternating. So why don't you bring us down to earth, and let's talk about flex style, and then we will ask Ellen and Carrie to join us. So go ahead, Brenda. Sure. Um, Well, there are lots of different kinds of flexibility that people have in their jobs, and some of them we've talked about already. Some people telecommute and work at home. Some people work at satellite offices. Um, Some people work in an office setting, but they have different kinds of flexibility. Maybe they have a flex time arrangement where they can come in within a window of time in the morning and, and adjust their commute or adjust their starting and ending times around the needs of their family. Um, so there are lots of different kinds of flexible jobs, and not everyone has flexibility. I would still say, you know, we're going to talk a lot about the challenges of flexibility, but I know for myself and for most people, you know, you'd rather have that flexibility and then manage it than not have it at all. Um, because Ellen and I talked, for example, to some people in very traditional manufacturing plant kind of environments, and and they were really restricted. They We talked to one man um, 
who who was really stressed uh, because his wife was having a difficult pregnancy and he could not even get out of the workplace in order to go and um, go to an important um, doctor visit when the health of his wife and the baby was was at stake. And so, flexibility. So I don't want to give the impression that flexibility is all bad, but it's also not the answer to everything, and it can create new problems. Um, so flex styles, uh, every individual, every one of us, has a style for how to manage whatever flexibility that you have. And um, so this, is, this picks up on something that Ellen said earlier. Each of us have different preferences for how we put together all the different pieces of our lives, the different roles that we have at work, at home, um, and also other kinds of things that are going on in our lives. Uh, some people, my sister is very involved in her church, for example, and that's a core part of her life. Or people have other um, hobbies, maybe people are athletes, they train for the marathon. So we make choices about whether we, the, the big difference is whether you tend to mush those things together or, or as we would say, integrate, or whether you try to cut them apart and build walls between them in different ways. And, and your choices about that and the way you prioritize the, the different roles in your life, those shape the different flex styles. Thank you very much. Ellen Ernst Kosick, thoughts on flex styles? What are your, what's your point of view? Well, uh, I, you know, enjoyed, I want to say that Brenda and I kind of collaborate uh, very well in this, and so since uh, starting with Brenda, we originally thought that people were one of two types, integrators or separators, and we'd ask people, all in all, do you separate or integrate work? And people would say things like, it depends on the time of the year, it's different in the summer or the winter, and so we we basically found that there are three things that determine your flex style. Number one is your ability to have boundary control. So we ask people, to what extent can you control boundaries between work and home? And that varies depending on your job or your personal situation. If you're a single parent, you have probably lower boundary control when the daycare center calls, for example. So boundary control is one aspect of flex style. The, the second part is how you manage interruptions. So some of us have high interruptions going back and forth from work to personal life, or personal life to work, because think about it, you know, your text from your partner at work is is also interrupting you, and then that email or text you get on vacation is interrupting you from uh, personal life the other way. So flex styles involve not only control, but your sort of um, how permeable your interruptions are for boundaries uh, back and forth. And then the third is your identity determines how you manage flex styles. So some of us are more work-centric and will drop and interrupt uh, family dinner for work, and others of us are more personal life-centric, and, you know, as much as we like our job, we're out of there and we're able to shut work off. But more and more people today are dual-centric, and they are highly committed to both work and their family and personal life. And that's where the challenge is coming today, is many of us are trying to do it all at once. So identity control and how you manage interruptions are what determines your flex style. And I just want to mention before I uh, sign off for the next uh, speaker is that there's a fourth kind of identity that we found really interesting with there's some people who are neither work-centric nor family-centric, but something else Mm -hmm. other than work or family knocks or socks off. They're 
uh, more time for me or uh, social activism. And I think with our Gen Xers and Millennials, there are more and more people who are delaying family and still want work-life flexibility, but not necessarily for the traditional child or elder care reasons. Thank you very much. Very, very good points. And I'm going to have a question I want to ask the whole panel, but first I want Carrie Williard to weigh in on these definitions. Carrie, your thoughts? Well, you know, I I think they're very interesting definitions, and um, you know, one of the interesting things is that I've uh, I'm just hearing them for the, the the first time, so kind of trying to absorb it. We just completed a study that uh, SAP sponsored for uh, through Oxford Economics, and one of the things we did in the study, we were looking at the future of work and how people are thinking about working um, in the future, and one of the really interesting findings was that men actually cared a little bit more about balancing work and life than women. And I think really? we Yeah, so yeah we the, sometimes the, think the of this as a women's issue and we have all women on the phone right now. Yeah. But, you know, as 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 I think it was Ellen mentioned earlier, um, you know, it's men who care uh equally if not a little bit more um for this is an issue. So so I think this is something that affects every employee, and so I'm, you know, intrigued to hear more from our, our our panelists here. So Carrie, put that into a sentence for me. I want to tweet that men seem to care more, or the or care the same, it, it's or not more. A statistically significant amount more. It was, you know, it was only two percentage points difference. But men, but men and women care equally about work life balance. Okay, it's going on Twitter. Thank you. Uh, Brenda, I think I heard you in the background. You want to comment on Carrie's point? I think that was Ellen, actually. I don't know. Okay. Mm. No, I'm sorry for uh, popping in there, but... No, I want you to. Go ahead. um, Basically, uh, she's right. It's not... It's thought of as a gendered issue that is in women, but the, the studies coming out now are saying everybody... Yeah, wants to be able to set boundaries and have a life. And men are, I think, because of the newness of having maybe to manage everything, are getting as or more stressed as uh, women. But what's interesting is there's other research that's come out that shows that bosses still think ill of women with work more ill. So, like, a woman yeah. and a man can have work-life uh, interruptions, but, like, the dad looks like super dad. And the woman, uh, there was actually a study on, uh, on a resume. The woman, if she looks so involved in her kid, it, it will limit her career. So this one study, they, um, it involved looking at selecting somebody for a job, and one person said they were active in their PT. They both, both people interviewed said they were active in their PTA, and they thought they wouldn't select the woman, but they would select the guy. <laughs> so maybe it's a boost for men to, to show their softer side now, but still for women, we're figuring things out. I don't know. It's, go ahead. This just just reeks to me. I hate to use that word, but it does. We used to have definitions. I don't know if any of you is, are nearly as, as old as I am, but I remember we used to say definitions. If a woman speaks up at work, she's being, uh, what is this, aggressive. If a man had the same sentence in the same context with the same group, he would be assertive and he would be applauded. And so we took different verbs that were very similar, and the female got the one side, and you know which which side, the downside. And then the, the male got the accolades for the same exact behavior I thought this all went away. Uh, what do you ladies think? Brenda, thoughts on this? Is this still happening? Well, the short answer is yes, um, I think. I, I, I do think, though, that Carrie's original point, that this is an issue 
that work-life balance is something that men and women, every, everyone wants and struggles with. Um, I know that uh, I've just been in, involved in a study where we talked to a bunch of lawyers and, and the male lawyers talked about going in and trying to ask about some parental leave and people were like, whoa, you know, this is shocking and unexpected and certainly makes us question your commitment to your career. Um, and, and the women had even, even a harder time in some ways because on the one hand they felt like they weren't looked at as good mothers if they didn't take uh, didn't take parental leave, but at the same time, if they took too much, then it gave the organization a reason to question their commitment. And um, and because the boundary, because the the rules around it were not clear, different women were doing different things, and so it was like a competition to the lowest level of maternity leave. Because if another woman comes back after. You know, in Canada, we can take a year. Um, if another woman comes back after six months, you better take five months so that you look good to the organization. So, wow. um, I don't know. I think I think it's challenging on both sides, but I, I do agree that it's it's a little harder for women. I would say. Still, damn. Okay, yeah. my well, question. You know what I think though yep. is that the mm-hmm. more that an issue becomes uh, uh, a concern for both genders the more likely over time that we'll be able to, to come up with solutions that work for employees because, because employers are going to need to be competitive in getting the best employees. So, um, so you know, we, this is always a long-term struggle to reduce any kind of uh, discrimination or, or bias in the workplace. Um, but I find it... I find it wonderful that from a societal viewpoint, men care as much as women do about work-life balance. I couldn't agree with you more. And I have a question. This is Bonnie. I have a question for the panel. What size company are we talking about? Are we talking about startups with an organizational uh, core team of maybe 8 to 20 people? Are we talking about the low end of SME, small to mid-sized enterprises, that might have uh, 100-plus employees? Are we talking about uh, organizations with... 1,000 to 50,000 employees. Where does this discussion about flex styles come in or everywhere? Brenda, why don't you start us? We'll just go around the table before we go to one of Ellen's talking points. Brenda? Yeah, I think you'll find differences in terms of where you find flexible work practices, like who gets to work at home and who has um, who has access to flexible work hours and things like that. But having a flex style is something that that belongs to the individual. So everyone has it in every organization. And so there, so the thing about it is that there's something each of us can do as an individual to try to make our lives a little bit better, even if we have an employer that's not so in, enlightened and inclined to work with us. Okay. Ellen? Yeah. Um, I think that organization size is less important than the uh, culture of the uh, top management and just sort of the, the work that, you know, the way people work in the company. And give you an example, there was um, a, lar- a utility company I had been working with, and they had uh, a VP that would send out emails every Sunday night uh, regarding some issue for a, 
Friday, uh, Monday morning meeting, but it was never announced in advance that there definitely was going to be a Monday morning meeting. So people always felt they had to interrupt their Sunday to go online and see if there would be a really early meeting to get in for. And I think uh, the culture of just how technology was used and the, the response times, I think one of our the things we haven't talked about is just how people are using email and is it really productivity today to, you know, when you're online and you ask a question of the colleague and they answer you back in two seconds, you mm-hmm. know, there's not everything is that urgent. And in fact, I would argue <laughs> most things are not that urgent. So uh, the, the, the way uh, we are expected to communicate, how leaders relate to subordinates and colleagues to each other uh, really matters more than to me the size of the company and uh, one example, too, is uh, just uh, what's important about flex styles to me and what Ren and I decided from talking to all these people in all kinds of jobs is your employer cares about you, but they, they care about the work first, I have to tell you. And mm-hmm. unless you think about how to get the work done and take care of yourself regarding our uh, uh, Carrie's quote, uh, you, you, you know, you're, you're not going to have work-life balance or work-life well-being unless you make it a priority. So like writing in, you know, exercise four to five, just like you would write in that 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. meeting. And so that, that to me is like for people to think about their context and, and what's expected at work, but then figure out a strategy to gain control to craft a life to, so that they feel good about the, themselves as whole people. Ellen, I think that was breaking news there, but I love your tip, and I've been doing that for years. I make appointments with myself for anything I need to do that's important, whether it's prep for a radio show. I block the time because that's part of that. That balance is when, what do I need to do to get ready for hosting a show like this or going to the gym. You make an appointment. You put it in your book. You block it. You mark it personal. Carrie Willard, we need to hear from you on company size and flex style. Any thoughts coming from SAP as I do? What do you see? Well, um, you know, because I've worked in both, I, I had uh-huh. a startup that um, Success Factors bought, so I know exactly what the startup life is like. Mm-hmm. There is a sense of urgency difference. So um, as we were discussing before and responding, so, uh, uh, you know, in, in a large company, typically if you respond within 24 hours, that's, that's, that's adequate response time. In a little company, um, you know, one or two hours starts to be like a long time on, on, on something. And so you're much more connected via, I use chat a lot more in a startup than I did in a, in a big company where everybody was on chat all day long and so responding. So in many, in many ways, it's when you're in an entrepreneurial venture, and so I'm talking about less than 20 people, you're so reliant upon each other for everything that it's it's a tougher uh, a life to create, um, you know, real balance in than than it is in a, in a place where you can set things down and then they keep moving forward because other pe- there's enough other people that make it move forward. So I, I think that's one of the costs of going to a startup that you have to reckon with is 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 how you are going to maintain that work life balance. Thank you very much. All good points. And I have a question for, I want to go actually to the notes from Ellen Ernst Classic. something that 
we haven't quite covered, I don't think, in the conversation. Uh, Ellen, this was an alternate quote you sent me. I'm going to get your response, and then we'll have Brenda and Carrie chime in. The quote is, but to play devil's advocate here, don't you get more done if people are working longer hours? Let's get to the bottom line. You just said that it's really about the company your boss really cares about getting the work done. Are you doing your job? Are you contributing? It's great to have balance, but are you doing what you were hired to do? So let's talk about that devil's advocate point of view, POV. Ellen? Well, I think right now we could uh, work 24-7 and not get all our work done. And, in fact, there's research on professional work and the old term completed staff work. Work is never really done because there's always more to be done, and part of that is professionals' identities and their are really wrapped up in themselves and their jobs. So, whether you're a lawyer, or an accountant, an SAP employee, that's part of who you are. And so, we we love to work, and part of that is the U.S. culture. Or if you have people in your other 99 countries, it's if you work for a big company, this is part of who you are. So I think what we need to do is work, I I know it sounds like a cliche, but smarter. And I've been involved in a $30 million study uh, funded by the National Institutes of Health where we did workplace experiments in in half the work sites. We trained leaders and employees to provide more social support for personal life and getting the work done, so both performance support and personal support. And we had people look at what's called low-value work. Put that into quotes, low-value mm-hmm. work. So think about our days and the tasks that we do that are really not adding to productivity. So sending a long email that says you're, you know, didn't like something that somebody did, does that really add to productivity? Or uh, looking at a report or things that we're doing that really don't, uh, or, or something that maybe be a legacy task but don't really affect the bottom line. And so I think every quarter or uh, half year, teams should look at what they're doing and saying, you know, what's, what matters most? And we individually should be looking at all of the things we do on a daily basis and say, where do I add the most value? First things first, let me focus on that. And can I try and get off my plate these other things that maybe aren't, aren't as important anymore to adding to the bottom line? So don't work longer. Just work on what matters most and try and uh, – get away from these tasks that really aren't adding to productivity. Work smarter. Okay. Carrie, will your thoughts on that? Well, you know, setting boundaries is is a never-ending quest, I think. Just as soon as you think you've got a new boundary set, another one pops up. And technology does play in this, right? Because we have so many signals coming at us. I've set up multiple email accounts to try and manage it, but then that just means I've got four, literally, email accounts I have to check. I have two Twitter accounts. I have mm-hmm. LinkedIn. I have, you know, so there's so, I was just, I, uh, just as we were sitting here, I had a tweet come across that says there's a new yoga mat that's a smart map, so it can help coach you while you're doing it. I mean, we are connected even when we're trying to be unconnected. Um, and so I, I, I think figuring out how to set boundaries in every area, not just, uh, um, you know, with your work colleagues, but how do you manage the technologies that you have coming at you is, is a big part of this. 
Carrie, uh, we are about six, eight minutes before we go to break, and I'd like to turn to some of your case studies. You sent me some notes about your experience at Amex with their four-tier model, the club employees and the Rome employees, some comments on Aetna, some comments on Sun. Uh, I'd love to hear some of those case studies. I think our listeners would find them good takeaways. And then if we have time, of course, we'll have Brenda and Ellen comment as well. So, Carrie, you want to take us through some of the use cases? Well, I'll start with the one that was the most personal, and that was that I worked at Sun, and 70% of our employees at Sun worked flexibly. Um, and the interesting thing was uh, there were short-term upsides in being able to balance your, 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 your workload with your family life, and so on. We had, uh, I remember one woman who um, you decided to move to a ranch in North Dakota, because her family was there and she needed to be able to help care for aging parents. But the interesting thing is is that we saw over the long term that there began to be some downsides because people started to feel less affiliation with their, with their team and they uh, got lonely uh, almost. I, I, I had one person who worked for me who said his family had insisted that he leave and go to work at a job uh, in the area he lived, which happened to be Philadelphia, because he was losing his social skills. So, oh my! God. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Um, yeah. So, so I think there's there's you know a little bit of of both there. Um, if I could give one more example, I think yes, American please. Express has done some really interesting things because they categorize employees into um, four different uh, possibilities to choose from. So you can be a hub-based employee. You could be hub, club, um, or uh, a roam, and um, and you know what they what they let you do is, you know, uh, um, you you can be at the club where you go into a hub office no more than three times a week. So you go in every day. That's that's hub. You go in a few days a week. That's club, um, or you roam from campus to campus. Um, because you're working off a plane most of the time. So they have, and, and each of those comes with different privileges and different ability to get access to different kinds of technology. So in a sense, it's a flex style. It, it accommodates a flex style in a little more interesting way as well. Very interesting. How, how are the employees responding? What, what's the uh, predominance? Are most people preferring hub to club, or is roaming the most, most popular? Carrie, what do you see? You know, I, I can tell you at Sun what it was, and that was that mm-hmm. roaming was the most possible. So we, had, so we set up small offices in almost every major city in the United States and in many cities around the world. And you could go in because you needed to meet a customer or whatever it might be. And because, you know, we might have 75 employees who lived in Denver. This isn't the case with some. We had a lot more. But 75 employees in, in uh, you know, let, let, let's pick Oklahoma City who might want to run into each other occasionally or uh, a salesperson who might be in the city. So, um, so roaming was actually... Um, the, the, the nicest place to be uh, for most people, which was check into a hub office and use space on a daily basis. 
Interesting. I'm just going to give a, an example here. I worked for Nokia many years ago on the IntelliSync system. I was a marketing manager, Carrie, when they had a big presence in White Plains, New York. And mm -hmm. I, I understand they're gone. They've uh, gotten rid of it. They, we were told they'd never be leaving that, and I understand they've just completely gone. So uh, what they said to us was, if you're not going to be coming to the physical office in White Plains four or five days a week, and you're only going to be there three or less you can't have a permanent desk. You're going to have a flex desk, and right. you're going to share that desk who's ever there. So it was a re I think it was a reverse mode. They said to us, you have to be a roaming employee if you're not coming in more than three days a week because space was limited at the time. Just an observation. Uh, let's quickly get it. Brenda Louch, why don't you comment on what Carrie shared, and then Ellen, why don't you take a minute apiece, and then we're going to take a break. So, Brenda, go ahead. Um, I just wanted to pick up on one thing that Carrie said that that stood out to me when she said that sometimes there were short-term upsides to flexibility but long-term downsides. And I think that relates to this idea that, you know, maybe what flexibility is doing is pushing everyone to work harder and harder um, and longer hours because work is just everywhere that you are. And so you can always work. Um, and And I think that that is you know, the, the danger of flexibility of not being able to turn it off and why it's important to, you know, work, work smarter, as Ellen said, so that you can work a little bit less. But I would add one thing, and this is the identity idea that Ellen talked about, that people want different things, because I have talked to some people who are very work-focused, and for them, working more and more is actually not a bad thing because they just mm -hmm. look at their lives differently. They want, you know, they want to put all of their energies into the work piece because that's what's meaningful to them. And so for those people, flexibility allows them, you know, and working longer hours because of it allows them to express who they are. But for other people uh, who want to live their lives in a different way, um, the outcomes would be much worse. And so th the nice thing would be if organizations could create space for people or the ability for people to, um, to live a life that's comfortable for them. Thank you very much, Ellen Ernst Kosick. Thoughts on what Brenda just shared and Carrie? So I think that companies should start looking at uh, work-life issues as more of a, a diversity issue kind of like a Myers-Briggs, that people need to work in different ways. And work-life fit is not going to look the same for every employee, and it's actually not going to look the same for that same employee over the life course as they uh, become divorced, have a child, want to take care of health issues, or just you know relate to work differently. And right now I think companies might uh, not be doing as good a job as they could be, even with this hub club Rome or I know IBM had uh, many different types of employees. And uh, I think not everybody can handle the cognitive complexity of being a roamer, to have everything in your suitcase and figure out when you get home what to do uh, with the, uh, everything you didn't do while you were on the road. And I also think that some people can become workaholics when they don't have uh, some help with physical boundaries and the ability to turn work off and... Uh, it's almost a, uh, the isolation issue, an example, I did a webinar for a major uh, big three consulting firm, and they considered the people that are full-time teleworkers an actual diversity group.
because think about it. When you're on a conference call and you're the one on the conference call all the time, you know, it doesn't always work. The technology, people can't hear mm-hmm. you, can't do the smoothing as easily before or after. So I, I just want us to move away from one size fits all. And I also would like to help people have more flexibility selecting the job style that fits for them and be able to make change without stigma. Thank you. Change Without Stigma is a good way to end this segment. We're going to take a break, just 90 seconds. I'm going to give Dr. Brenda A. Louch, Dr. Ellen Ernst Kosick, and Carrie Williard the opportunity to go find the crystal ball, polish it off, and take a look and tell me if you can see clearly to the year 2020 or any other year you find, and tell me what will flex style be like in the workplace. Will it still exist? Will we have another word for it by 2020 or whenever you can predict? So we're going to be right back with Dr. Brenda A. Dr. Ellen Ernst Kosick and Carrie Williard. I'm still Bonnie D. Graham. This is HR Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Michael out. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. With companies like yours competing aggressively for top talent today, HR tactics must be comprehensive and precise. Today's reality? Your organization is faced with the demands of a multi-generational and globalized workforce, diversity and inclusion policies, work-life integration challenges, and more. The bottom line? You need to attract and retain the best fit talent to support your strategies and goals, optimize your employee engagement, and become an industry-leading employer of choice. HR Trends with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. You're enjoying HR Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to HR Trends with Game Changers. Here we are, and I was just informed that we have three PhDs on the call today, Dr. Brenda A. Latch, Dr. Ellen Ernst Kosick, and Dr. Carrie Williard. Carrie, I apologize, my oversight, and this is uh, even more of an honor to speak with the three of you. So let's go to our predictions round now. We're going to go back to the original order, Dr. Brenda A. Louch at the Beattie School of Business at Simon Fraser University. Brenda, how far in the future can you see in the crystal ball? Can you predict to me for FlexStyle in 2020, or do you have another year, day, month, week, or minute you'd like to predict? Go ahead, Brenda. Uh, 2020 is fine. Uh, I don't know how, how clear my crystal ball is, but what I see is not, uh, not a lot of change, although I do, I, I do think and maybe hope that the pendulum is going to swing back a little bit in terms of our constant accessibility to each other. Um, I, th- I think that you know, we're not going to turn the clock back on technology. People's expectations for other people's availability seem to just keep increasing. Um, I know after I got my smartphone, I suddenly felt like I had to be responding to people all the time because they would know if I was ignoring them. Uh, Mm -hmm. 
But um, I do think that there are a couple of, I've been reading about a couple of things lately that show that some people in, at least in some places in the world, in France, you might know there was a, a recent labor agreement this spring where unions and employers got together and set out an obligation to disconnect um, only after they'd worked 13 hours a day. Uh, so it, it wasn't huge and it didn't cover everyone, but it was interesting. And I know at some companies, Volkswagen uh, has had a rule for a while that they stop forwarding email from their company servers at the 30 minutes after the end of the workday. Um, so I, I think that in some cases, and maybe it's only where there are unions pushing for it or... Uh, or worker-friendly governments. There might be people looking to um, take back a little bit of life for people outside of work, mm-hmm. but I, I, do, I do think that the cat is kind of out of the bag on flexibility and the technologies that we're using. Thank you very much. Appreciate that, and thanks for the look forward, Dr. Ellen ernst Kosick. How far out does your crystal ball show you the way to the future? Ellen? Well, I'm going to give you a few uh, predictions for the future and then some tips for today. So Great. for the future, I think the aging uh, workforce uh, is really going to be a huge trend in that more and more people are going to want to or need to work longer. And companies' use of phased retirement or just allowing people to have uh, mini sabbaticals or would, uh, would fit very well with better use of flexibility, and uh, I, I think we need to, to take advantage of this. Why can't somebody be working from, you know, the lake house in Colorado and not be stigmatized at a big company and that um, might allow somebody to, to work for another 10 years? I also think that um, with global work, there's going to be more and more negotiation about when you're on and when you're off. An example of one company... Uh, that had been in a, a study I did, they had some uh, engineers be online during the night for a call overseas in India, and then the workers were still expected to be in the office at 9 in the morning before mm-hmm. regular meetings, even though they had been up during the night. And so with global work, I think we really do have to open things up a bit more to allow people to show value in other ways than just when you're online and when you're available. For wrap-up, I really would hope that managers could make this an issue of team effectiveness as part of leadership to talk about how people want to work, deadlines, and have teams understand that people need to work in different ways and are contributing not just by when they're online but when deliverables are done and how our work impacts each other. And so to be clear about performance, when do you need to be on for that core meeting, what's not core, be sensitive to burnout and heavy workloads and long hours. And how managers act themselves really sets the tone in terms of being a role model for paying attention to well-being. So part of productivity involves not just making the deadline, but doing so in a way where people feel healthy and good about each other and are able to work together again on the next project. Ellen, thank you very much. Great words of wisdom. And let's give uh, Carrie Williard, Dr. Carrie Williard, I can give you 90 seconds on the clock. Predictions, go. Well, since I wrote a book about 2020, I think I'm going to have to stick with the 2020 theme here. (laughs) And um, I think work is going to be done ever more flexibly. We're seeing in the in the G20 uh, jobless recovery. And that's, I think, because 
organizations are using more and more flex workers, uh, contract consultant workers. And although there can be both a good side and a downside with, with that, perhaps part of the good side is that people can begin to piece together careers at times in their life when they want that that are made of gigs. So you see uh, Reed Hoffman writing about every, every worker is a tour of duty worker. So I think we're going to see a lot more people putting together careers that are a combination of things so that they can help really think through how to create balance in their lives at the right times in their lives. Thank you very much, Carrie. And that leaves me just enough time to close the show. First of all, thank you to Dr. Brenda A. Louch. Thank you, Dr. Ellen Ernst Kosick. Thank you, Dr. Carrie Williard. Great panel, great insights. You're all so smart, and that's why we invited you to talk about FlexStyle. I have to do a shout-out to Jennifer McAdams at SAP, who sponsored this series, and the hardworking team that helps manage our calendar. It's Stephen Thorne, Sylvia Lennon, coming back from PTO, personal time off. Yes, it does exist. And a shout-out to Malcolm Kimberlin and Michael and the Business Channel team. Tomorrow is Tuesday, Financial Excellence with Game Changers, 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon. And then Wednesday, it's a Doubleheader Coffee Break with Game Changers at 8 a.m. Pacific and the Customer Edge with Game Changers, 3 p.m. Eastern, and then Thursday morning, Future of Business Season 2. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to HR Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.